This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hello and welcome to episode 182 of What Most People Think Now. I know that the first thing that should be standing out to you now is going, it's a Tuesday, Norcott. You've thrown me out, mate. This is, It popped up in my podcast thing. I thought it was Wednesday. I thought I'd maybe missed a whole day of my life or been in some sort of drug-induced coma. But um, but yeah, it is a Tuesday. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Is there are some stories that um, have emerged that I wanted, I wanted to get into. I wanted to get into early doors. There was a, yeah, there was a big Keir Starmer interview of Laura Koonsberg at the weekend. Um, I watched it, so you don't have to, is the way I'm selling this. I'm not saying that he's... Uh, he lacks charisma. Yeah, I am saying that. I am saying that he lacks charisma. And also there was um, this story which I found absolutely hilarious is that the Brit Awards, having announced a gender neutral category, um, didn't nominate any women for the top artist of the year, which I just think is it's hilarious, right? We've got to talk about this. So I wanted to get into those subjects as soon as possible. But before we do any of that, the big announcement is that my last comedy tour special, I Blame the Parents, is available streaming now. It's now on Patreon, the Patreon which helps support the podcast and keep it ad-free so you don't have to hear things like, I'm using Zipbag. Zipbag is a new way of shitting in in public. I just, I don't have to find a public toilet or even ask a pub if I can use their toilet. I just pull out the Zipbag, have a dump, and I'm gone. I'm a big fan of Zipbag. There's so many of those adverts. Do these products ever stick around more than like fucking three weeks? But anyway, see, I'm supposed to be announcing my own thing here and I got sidetracked. Is that my comedy special is streaming, you know? I have to use that word. I don't really like it. It's not streaming, is it? I'm not Netflix. It's on. It's on my Patreon. It's available on my Patreon and that is free to all tiers. This is a thank you for your support um, over the last year and keeping this show just unique, really, and uh, almost alone in its lack of commercial sponsors. And um, yeah, you can just go on, watch it. There's a moment you join. So if there's anybody who wants to join, even if you join for a couple of months, you can watch the show, make a donation to the podcast, which would be greatly appreciated. I see that some existing patrons have already um, lobbed a bit of extra money at me, and that is ridiculously generous. So I appreciate that. So yeah, if you look, if you're feeling flush, yeah, that'll be nice. But I understand that I'm lucky to have people who support the podcast uh, in the way that they do. So that's available now. And by the way, in terms of listeners, thank you. So a lot of people being really uh, leaving really nice five star reviews on iTunes. So I will be getting to those later in the show. But just to sort of have a catch up with us, it is going to be a solo show this week. Um, don't turn off you pricks. 
don't come on. I, I make the solo shows shorter because I'm aware there's just one bloke talking, all right? So you can outstay your welcome. So this one will be short, sharp. I'll be in and out. <laughs> I'll be in and out like a married couple having sex when they've got a toddler. You know, when you just see a little window of time, you just got to get it done. <laughs> you just got to get it done. Get in there. Get the fuck out. You become like, when it comes to sex, you become like special ops teams, aren't you? Right, go, go, go. Get in there. Get in there. Okay. Keep quiet. Keep quiet. Um, that sounded fucking sinister. Um, so yeah, I my last week I was back. I'm doing club gigs uh, in preparation for uh, my work in progress tour, which is coming up in the spring. And then obviously stay tuned for the announcement of the full UK tour. Uh, I think I can say, I think I'm going to be going, I'm going all over the shop. I've got more than 80 dates. I'm even going to be going to Dublin. I know that I've got listeners or a, literally a handful of weirdos in Dublin that listen to this. So I'll be coming there. I'll be coming back to Belfast. All the places I've been before, new places. Um, stay tuned for that. But um, but I've done a few club gigs recently. And if you have seen club gigs, don't mistake that for the tour. Okay, I had a bloke come up to me after a gig I did on Friday. It was like, yeah, oh no, it's great to see you do your live show. And I was like, um, that's not my live show. That, well, I mean, it's, it's a club gig, so they're kind of like, that's the T20. What you really want to do is see the test match cricket and me play a bit of extended baseball. Um, but I was doing gigs in Leeds and the Yorkshire area. And I opened a gig in uh, Edinburgh, brilliant gig called the Royal Oak. And um, it was fun, man. It was fun. It reminded me, of why I've, I've, I do all right in Yorkshire for some reason. I don't know, <laughs> slightly more conservative up here, Jeff. But um, the I remember the first time I ever gigged in Leeds, right? I knew I was going to get on well with the place. Was uh, I've been on stage a while and I was using the C word quite liberally. And in my accent, it, that can sound a bit hard edged. And uh, there was a guy at the front who was sort of, sort of getting annoyed and, you know, kind of chuntering. And then uh, eventually he interrupted. He went, no, 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 no. It's pronounced cunt. <laughs> I thought, my God, I'm going to love this place. This is my first time gigging in Leeds. If you, if you see that as a pronunciation issue, then I think we're going to get along just fine. And um, yeah, I like it up there. And what I like about Leeds as well is there's bits around like the surrounding areas that are quite fancy, like um, Harrogate. I, I just because we grew up in London in the 80s, we were led to believe that just everywhere north of Watford was shit. And indeed, Watford was shit. And North Watford was shit. But it's a real surprise. I mean, obviously, it's a bit ignorant. And, but there's, there's a part of my childhood wiring that when I go to nice places like York and Leeds, I'm like, fucking hell, I've got nice places up here. Fucking hell. Um, the, the, one is, the one that always gets me is Harrogate. You know, you get there early and do a tour show and you walk around going, this is fancy. And then you have a quick look in the old uh, estate agents and you go, I did not expect to come this far north and find somewhere I couldn't afford to live. You know, how dare you, the north of England? How dare you have places I couldn't afford to live? But And that actually reminds me as well, there's a guy who said he was a podcast listener who I saw outside the original Oak and um, he... And he went, Jeff, and like scared the shit out of me. And it was embarrassing for both of us, I think, because he he felt embarrassed, and he shouldn't have, that he made me jump. And I felt embarrassed that I jumped like an absolute pussy. So uh, I think that <laughs> I don't think either of us came out of that well. And just a thank you to, I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll thank you to all anyone that listens to this and indeed recommends it. That's such an important thing these days. I think that 
I think that we've really forgotten that with social media and viral stuff. Like if you recommend something to someone, that means that you know them and you've invested in them. You know, when someone like a mate sits you down and goes, I really think you should watch this documentary. I mean, mostly the documentaries, I just nod along and think, I hope I hope they'll stop speaking about documentaries soon. But you at least realise that there's a reason that they're telling you. And, um, and, and there's a few comics that listen to this podcast and and Toby Haydoke who's a, who's a good mate I've worked with over the years he's an absolutely top bloke a uh, great actor he's just like knows everything that there is to know about Doctor Who and also runs a brilliant club called Excess Malarkey in Manchester and uh, you just find out that someone listens to the podcast and and, and that happened after the um, the David Domain um the Alan Alan Cochran podcast fuck it I'm all over the shop I've just realized I haven't done the David Domain talking point or the new patrons all right so I'll get back to that but first up uh, the thank you is to um, is to Toby Haydoke uh, for his for just for listening to it and and anyone that listens to the podcast. Jesus Christ, Norcott, you're, why am I all over the shop this week? Okay, so we're going to go back a bit here. Uh, so not only is this on a Tuesday, I'm doing the intro totally in the wrong order. And David Domain talking point. So David is our super patron who uh, picks up on things from the last episode. And suffice to say, he enjoyed the Alan Cochran episode. As a lot of you did, please go back and listen to that. It really was like what most people think gold. You know, it was funny. It was reasonable. And and we were covering those areas that, that comedy often misses out. That's kind of what the podcast is supposed to do. Um, but Alan said, when I saw who your guest was this week, I must admit, I was so excited, a bit of wee came out. There you go, that's what we always aim for. There's nothing nothing better than that in stand-up when you're, when you're gigging and a woman says afterwards, uh, a bit of wee come out. You think, yep, that's what I got into this for, is to make middle-aged women piss themselves. Um, David says, Alan was superb, uh, probably your best episode yet. Well, that's high praise indeed, thank you. Uh, well, I say thank you, it's mainly for Alan, isn't it? Um he deserved another appearance. Um, yeah, so he will be coming on the podcast um, hopefully regularly. You know, I want him to become a regular, and that's why he came back on. Uh, picking up on a couple of things that we mentioned in the show, uh, David says that you mentioned that Obama and Trump, uh, that there was this perception that Trump, Trump had deported less people from the USA. The Washington Post reports that Obama deported 1.18 million during his first three years in office, and Trump deported fewer than 800,000 in his first three years. So that was interesting because I, I kind of thought, oh, was it time sensitive? You know, i.e. that Obama had deported less people but over a longer period of time. But this is a comparable time period. I guess the only caveat is one that Trump was letting less people in in the first place. <laughs> and secondly is that how long COVID kind of incurred into that. But what it certainly says, that even if you take out that that discrepancy of about 220,000, is that they're kind of similar. And it's just, again, it's a really interesting example of the kind of thing me and Alan were talking about, was it didn't feel similar. And, you know, the lefties and the liberals, it, you know, that's how things feel. Um, and then we were talking about places that were named, grand named places that all, also exist in fairly sort of rural and uh, sort of isolated parts of the world, in particular England. And on that note, David says that there's a place in New York uh, called New York in Lincolnshire. <laughs> um, I'd love to, I've got to go to New York. In, I mean, no offence to Lincolnshire, but it's got some of the, well, it's got some of the the ripest places in the country. People don't, people don't understand about Lincolnshire. It's, um, it's just, it's, it's under-discussed in terms of shitholes. I'll be touring in Lincolnshire. Don't worry about that. And there, there are a part of Derby called California. Shut up. That can't be true. There's a part of Derby called California and New Zealand. 
That is that is incredible. So yeah, if you've got any more of those, email in about that or anything you that, that sort of uh, triggers a thought in, well, not just any thought in your head, but a specific thing you want to feed back to me on, what most people think, UK uh, at gmail.com. Okay, new patrons, new patrons. So just a reminder there, well, this is not a reminder, this is more news. There are, I know I've got to do stuff to keep you, all right? I've got to stay, I've got to stay lively. So at board member level, at board member level, now everybody, I've just dispatched, well, I can't tell you what the gift is because this is a point of board member. It's secret. It stays in the boardroom. But all board members will now have had uh, a very specific bespoke gift as part of being on the board. And all you've got to do is upgrade to 20 quid a month and you will find out. Um, so you will have all had those. And there are new benefits coming at the end of the month. New benefits for board members and also um, for VIPs. So keep an eye on that. And then we have a returning VIP, which I think is wonderful. Luke LeSurf. I think we've done Luke LeSurf's name before, but that is just... <laughs> that's just the most <laughs> exotic name Luke LeSurf I mean, it's one of those names that puts a bit of pressure on though doesn't it you know LeSurf I mean if you're not rocking up looking in rude health you know outdoorsy type sun-kissed skin and, and kind of bleach blonde hair if you're not like kind of like a, a young Shane Warne I really think that that name uh, could be could be a barrier to you but thank you so much for your support Luke and I hope you enjoy the special which as I say is streaming now the fuck you, right? He finally gets back to it. The fuck you is to diversions late at night. I mean, I, I had one near, coming back from the Saturday gig I did in Leeds on uh, Saturday. So I got away. I was on first and I was out of there by maybe 20 to 9. That's pretty early as a comic. So even I was in Leeds, that meant where I live, I... I could get home by maybe quarter past 11. So I looked at my sat-nav. Some of you, some of you fucking nerds would be working out where that would be now. Um, but I, I put my sat-nav and it started off, it said quarter past 11. I thought, all right, with a stop, I'll do one stop. I mean, I'm quite, I set high standards for myself when driving, just a one-stop strategy on the way home. And uh, five minutes, maybe 20 past, maybe latest half past 11, right? And then I get, I'm coming down the A1 and I get to the A, I see a sign saying uh, A57 shut at, I can't remember where it was shut, somewhere in Nottinghamshire, I think. And um, I sort of thought, well, they say that, but sometimes if you can get there before the hour, and then I realised it was going to be a really tight squeeze with 10pm, and just as I got there, feel my pain, feel my pain, blokes, road warriors, one and all, is that um, they were putting out the cones just as I got there. So I embarked on this diversion, and sometimes you get lucky, don't you, where you just go up to a roundabout and you go, come down the other side, you go, well, that was a fucking touch. Not this one. This one was a 25-mile diversion, which took me into where? You guessed it, Lincolnshire. I literally took me from the A1 out all the way to Lincoln. I was so in the middle of nowhere at one point. And you always get that feeling where you just feel you've lost faith. Like the diversion, they, someone's forgot. They haven't put the signs out. I'm going to die here. There's that Blair Witch feeling of it all. You're just going, oh, I, saw, I saw that spot an hour ago. I am so fucking scared right now. That's a very Blair Witch-specific... <laughs> reference but yeah you just want to pull over and cry and then eventually eventually i looked at satnav one point and just it just looked mental you know that point where satnav tries to get you back on the original route you're on and eventually it was just like look dude you're on your own mate i do not know what you're doing right now and uh, eventually i got back on the a1 and uh, my journey my arrival time was five to midnight it took from me it took what was it 45 minutes of my life 35 half hour that's more than half hour, 25 mile diversion. So I don't know if you work in the highways agency, all right? 
This is one of John Major was underrated for the Cones Hotline. I want, I want <laughs> you want my vote again. The Tories start talking Cones Hotline. I want to know why that happened to me. Okay, PTSD. Let's get into chatting about the politics. Quite a few things to discuss here. One is that the economy surprisingly grew. Uh, Keir Starmer's interview and a little bit more besides. Okay, so what are we going to talk about first? Let's talk about the economy, okay? Because um, for the last few months and then for a lot of last year, uh, it was generally acknowledged that Liz Truss had crashed the economy. And of course, it did have an impact on like, initial impact on mortgage rates, which did have to go up. I mean, they could never have stayed at the floor forever, but they certainly went up a lot quicker and further than anybody wanted to or, or hoped that they would. I mean, in terms of like the Labour narrative, which was that the Tories had crashed the economy, well, in October... The economy, well, GDP surprised everybody uh, with 0.5% growth. And then in November, it surprised everybody again with 0.1% growth. Now, a lot of, there's a lot of caveats to this, and there always is, is they'll always unpick it and say, well, that's only because, right? October was bouncing back after the Queen died. I don't know, I don't know, we're all gutted, so we just didn't spend any money. And then November, it's only because of the World Cup. So there's always, it's only because of. But it's nonetheless, we were, we were confidently told that we'd be in recession by the end of the year. So December, it might happen, right? With the rail strikes, what would you need to be? I don't know, actually. I think that for us to have been in recession in December, it would need to be quite a big contraction because it would need to be bigger than, it would need to be like a one, a 1% contraction. Is that right? Or more? That'd be quite a lot, but I don't know. With the train strikes, all those Christmas parties that didn't happen, uh, that could happen. But again, it's another one of these experts' um, predictions that's being confounded. You know, and we often have Constantine Kissing on the show, and he talks about why why people are losing faith in mainstream media and institutions is because they constantly predict shit that never happens. Um, but so this story I thought was a pretty big story, and it appeared briefly on the BBC news page, right? So where is it? What the fact that our whole economy grew unexpectedly? Where is it, Jeff? So it, it was low. It was like I think it was like I think it was like lower than the news that. I don't know, some local radio DJ had been caught speeding. <laughs> you know that kind of news? It was there. So then I thought, all right, I'll go to the BBC business page and then um, some exciting guy. And there it was, top story. I thought, for, at least it's top story in the BBC business page. And then I went back there about two hours later just to get some information. And it had been overtaken as a head, the lead story by the fact that Tesla haven't sold as many fucking Teslas as they can. Apparently it's because like people are finding that fully electric cars go fully electrically wrong um i'm not by the way that's not a kind of like you know we, we let's all stick with petrol till the end of time but I do, I do think that like all these things it's like it's like kindles do you remember that it seemed like well it'll only ever go one way no one will ever buy physical books again and then people go but it's kind of nice having physical books <laughs> well that happened with petrol cars people just go that kind of like the smell of diesel anyway that's not the point of what I'm talking about. The point was, why did it stay up there so briefly? It kind of bugs me. I don't want to be, you know, as you know, despite my position within the com- comedic and cultural political world, I am I, I broadly, I believe in the BBC. And yet when it does stuff like this, I think that is sneaky. I think it's seriously sneaky. This is the British economy, right? And you think, well, where does it come from? Is this a group of BBC news journalists sitting together and go, well, let's not give that much too much prominence because we all desperately want to rejoin the EU? I don't think it's that. I just think it's inconvenient, right? Spent a long time pushing one idea 
And then when another piece of information enters the marketplace that, that contradicts that, it's just a bit embarrassing, isn't it? It's just a bit embarrassing. Now, I don't know how... You just sort of gloss over it. I, I don't know how the film Avatar 2 has done. But say, for example... I'd spent ages going, it's going to be a flop, but biggest box office flop ever. Because you know me, I'm Jeff, I like films. and uh, Take it from me, mate. That is going to be a flop. And then I found out like it broke box office records. What am I going to do? Am I gonna, When I see that person next, am I going to go in and go, hey, hey, by the way, do you know how wrong I was about Avatar 2? <laughs> I'm just going to avoid like any discussions about films, if anything. Like, even if the idea of entertainment comes up, I'll just quickly get in there and go, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of radio, actually. I just, yeah, I'm just finding radio is a really much like a better medium now. That's how that's how human beings work, right? So this is how the media works as well. And and there was another interesting thing, and this is uh, this is where, where my podcast might become the most radical it's been for a while. It's just in brief defence of Suella Braverman, who long-term listeners will know, not particularly a fan of personally, or politically, I'm sure she's not a fan of me after I apparently threw her under the bus on question time. But she, there was a video which went viral of her being challenged at a meeting uh, by a person who was a, um, a concentration camp survivor and whose family had suffered brutally at the hands of the Nazis, right? And so this video goes viral because, you know, these kind of things, they, they they have a lot of clout in popular culture now, you know? Uh, a, a one nurse confronting an, an MP, you know, one Holocaust survivor confronting a minister and I get I get why that is it's, it's because we understand like if you bring it down locally we understand the nature of a interaction between two people it's like it's like Stalin once said didn't he he said uh, the death of one man is a tragedy death of a million men is a statistic I mean I would say I'd imagine there's a bit of a gasp in the fucking room when he said that like fucking oh jeez anyone else think Joseph's gone a bit mad well he did change his name to Stalin which means steel I think that was a red flag um <laughs> Who guess who's been listening to a podcast learning facts about dictators? But um, but yeah, so it turns out that so the Home Office have petitioned for this video to be removed. He said, immediately, of course, that's because Suella Braverman is a fascist and you know is a Nazi and is trying to kind of control the public discourse. But it turns out that the video was heavily edited. Now this is what the Home Office have said. Now I don't know the extent to which that's true. But what I do know is that there have been a number of things like this recently. For example, Rishi Sunak and when he was in that garden party in Yorkshire. And, it, you know, the way it was clipped made it seem like he was saying, I'm going to take money from poor areas and put it in rich areas. And what I think he was saying was, you know, deprived areas in London aren't any more deprived or worthy than deprived areas in rural areas, right? That seems to be what he was saying. But this is the thing that's an increasing tendency on the left is they sort of think that their lies are noble lies and therefore, you know, they don't have, they're not subject to the same rigours of, of fact and veracity. What's going on? I've had a coffee. Um, is that even a word? I don't know. That they are. I mean, for track and trace is another example. You know, I know I'm obsessed by it, but people still say, I mean, they still say it. we developed a track and trace app for 37 billion. Where's that money gone? They just go, oh, come just stop for a second. 37 billion for an app. I mean, I think in the end it was a few million, but I still think that's for an app. I think that's that's still loads, right? You're 37 billion. That's so much money. I don't know how you could spend that on an app unless you just said to an app designer, do you want 37 billion for an app? There's no, there's no logistical day-to-day cost that could incur that. But when you stop and you compare that to, say, for example, the lie, in inverted commas, on the 
bus about the NHS. Wasn't let's put the bus in inverted commas because it was a coach. Um, the, but just on a sheer numbers level, um, the lie about the 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 app is bigger, isn't it? It's, a, it's simply they're, they're lying about a bigger sum of money. Now, you know, it's not in the run-up to a referendum, so I understand that that misconception doesn't have as much clout. But there is this emerging thing of of the way that information is managed by the left and the liberal left. And it's not... It happens on both sides. But what I get the impression of is that the left... There's a blind spot in their mind that they're, they're sometimes they're not even aware that they're doing it. What most people think. Did that make sense? Made a bit of sense. Anyway, speaking of making a bit of sense, Keir Starmer... On Koonsberg. Starmer on Koonsberg. So that happened on Sunday morning. Big interview. And the reason I'm talking about it is two reasons, really. One, he's gone on there and he's, it's a, what is it? It's a hefty, more than a half hour slot. Um, and so he wants us to be talking about it. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, is that, you know, Starmer fans need to get used to the idea this gives us odds on to be prime minister. So scrutiny kind of goes with the territory. So Initially, the first reactions to it were, well, there were a lot of uh, Starmer fans. They really are a tetchy bunch, isn't they? The Starm Troopers. I don't know what they thought. You know, any questions seemed to annoy them. I don't know what they thought Koonsberg should have done, maybe greeted him with like a shot and a fist bump. <laughs> yes, Keir, just sat there and just said the words preach every, you know, every sort of two minutes after he'd made yet another one of his mediocre points. But look, look, just just full disclosure, I thought he did seem more prime ministerial than I've ever seen him in an interview, you know? And that comes from confidence, and I guess that comes from what he thinks that 20-point lead relates to. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, what does he interpret that as? And I know that there's this, you know, Labour putting out the message that he's telling everybody, oh, it means nothing, we've won nothing yet. But eventually, 20 points, he's, he's bowling about a bit, Keir, now, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's uh, using a bit of extra hair mousse. Um, he definitely uses hair mousse, doesn't he? I mean, there's nothing else that could give it that look. But anyway, if there's anyone inside politics who wants to contact me separately with the skinny on on what he actually uses, it couldn't be putty or, or wax. It's got to be hair mousse. And like proper 1980s destroy the ozone layer hair mousse as well. So yeah, it's what, what he's interpreting that as is only, only he will know. Um, but there was a couple of areas where I think he, he fell down. The first up was that, you know, he wanted to talk about the NHS and being radical about the NHS, which I think is a good thing. Labour really have stolen a march on the Tories in that sense. But he's also probably out, as, as he's left his meeting with his spads, his special advisors, he's probably gone, well, we do need to say, you know, actually something specific about what the fuck are we going to do? Not just, we're going to reform it. What, what, like one thing we're going to reform. Um... And at the last minute, I guess someone said to him, self-referrals. What's, what's that? self Yeah, yeah, self-like, you know how like, you have to get a referral? Why don't you just do it yourself? And he's like, yeah, good idea, Steve. Um, so he gets out there, and then Koonsberg's sort of pressing him for specifics. And he starts talking about self-referrals. And I must admit, at first, I was like, yeah, this, yeah, I think I, I could get with this. You know, self-referrals, people. And then he, then he mentions the words like, you know, for something like internal bleeding. And, um... I did think, internal bleeding, like that's something you can't see. So therefore, and then he started talking about back pain. And I was like, "Mm, again, that's not kind of an objective state that people are in. I do think that if we're talking about pressures on the NHS, if people started referring themselves, I mean, the amount of times I've had hypochondria, and if I knew I could refer myself for internal bleeding, how many times would I refer, refer myself a year? Heart attacks. I mean, if people thought they had cardiac problems, it would just be stressed middle-aged men 
would just be checking in every single morning. Every single morning. You know, backache. You know, it's sometimes it's just stress. You need somebody, you know, I know that there's probably things that GPs probably shouldn't do and shouldn't have to do, but I do think that that was quite... It was quite, I mean, I saw a lot of typical Starmer supporters taking the piss out of him. It sort of felt like, you know, that famous meme of uh, Alan Partridge lying on a bed, just coming up with shit ideas. Uh, self-referrals, yeah. Self-referrals. It's all about self this day. You know, people should be able to decide what they are and what's wrong with them. Um, and on that note, <clears throat> self-ID was another place that I felt he tripped up massively. Because first up, he, you know, Koonsberg sort of, so, you know, she introduced the subject tentatively because we're, uh, we're aware that, you know, there's a way that this subject can be handled whereby it's just media commentators going, who's got tits? Who has got tits? <laughs> um, so he sort of dismissed the idea, you know, in this way that centre-left men often do. Look, it's just not a big subject. And they go, uh, yeah, you're not necessarily the only one that gets to decide that, mate. And I think Labour do need to get their head in the game because electorally, I don't think this currently is an issue that would affect their turnout or their percentage of the vote. Not massively yet, maybe not in a game-changing sense. But I do think is that's because most people, when they are polled or asked about trans rights, what they're essentially responding to, and I've got this from discussing it with people around me, it's just the idea of people who fully transitioned. That's the, in a way, was the sort of old-fashioned version of trans the old the old school trans you know ones that had the, the old bits and bobs done um and so i think that's what people are responding to i think the more coverage that people get the, over the idea of what certainly what's happened in scotland that you can just you know very in a very short period period of time just oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a i'm a geezer now that is i mean that's not how, <laughs> that's not how they would say it i'm a geezer now you know that me yeah but you used to be called danielle doesn't matter i'm a geezer now um <clears throat> He's, uh, they haven't really tuned into what's actually is happening, you know, and then this big change in, very controversial, the SNP, you know, it's the first time they've had a big rebellion from some of their own supporters. It's interesting, I think, that the, the SNP have brought the age down to 16. That was one of the amendments that was tabled, that Labour didn't eventually, Labour MSPs didn't follow through with, in the end they just swallowed and voted for it, but... 16, to most people I've spoken to, even Liberal people, seem, or people who are in favour of this, um, seems young, right? And you think with the SNP, maybe I'm a cynic, but there's a part of them, they want votes for 16, right? Next indie ref, it helps them. There's, you know, there's an argument that, well, look, people, people, I mean, there is a very interesting argument that you could make, I suppose, going, look, people can transition their gender at 16. Why can't they transition their country? Um, <laughs> and so he was asked specifically, uh, about this you know well, what are you going to do because Rishi Sunak said that the government might veto it and this was the most like a sort of uh, authentic thing that Keir Starmer said but he said but I'm, in the he sort of flustered a bit and he said well, I'm going I'm going to see what the government say I'm going to I'm going to see what the government say and he go well that's it isn't it that's what what you are right now is that you're not really a, a set of beliefs you're you're a, a, a creature that is essentially just refracting and reacting to what will get him in office. Now, that could be a legitimate strategy, but I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know if you can uh, you can tap dance and do, <laughs> and do little shimmies all your way into number 10 to distract people. Okay, quick hype here. We've got some new patrons here, and I think this might be a result of the my special, which is streaming. Streaming. This could... <laughs> Stre streaming. 
It's, it's like when the word seasons came in instead of series. You never had seasons of Bergerac, did you? Um, but we've got new patrons. Alastair Grain. Alastair Grain. Do you ever go... Oh, my God, I just thought of a great cop drama with you in Going Against the Grain. <laughs> Maybe you're like the chief in it, you know, Chief Grain. Going against the... I mean, I'm just making very simple puns on your name now. A-Grain. That's what I would call you if you were in our group. A-Grain. You all right, A-Grain? Alistair Grain. Stuck in Ukraine. In the pouring rain. Um, John Mackey. John Mackey. That's got to be John Mackey. That's it. That sounds very scouse, that name, John. John Mackey. Is John Mackey coming? Or... Scottish. Scouse or Scottish? There's a new there's a new panel show. Scouse or Scottish? Um, John Mackey. John Mackey. John Mackey. Get, get in touch with me, John, if I pronounce this correctly at all, and tell me what your heritage is, John. And then we've got Simon Basley. I think Basley, the Basleys, you sound... If I was writing like a really... You know one of those really tame modern sitcoms that doesn't have a studio audience? You know what I mean? One that's just like... It does, you know, it's just it's about, there's about 800,000 middle class people watch it. <laughs> and it's a, and it will never impact on the popular psyche, but it just plods along. And and there would be a family in it called the Basleys. That is what I'd call like the crazy family next door with the, with the kind of like irate husband and the uh, domineering wife, the Basleys. Um, so welcome. And like I say, if you want to join and get access to the my special, which is streaming, you just got to go on Patreon, what most people think, or type search Jeff Norcott. And pick a tier, any tier, whatever works for you. Three pound gets your foot in the door, and you can watch the stuff. Five pound, there's there's various, uh, you know, five pound tier. You know, when tickets become available for stuff, five pound will get the next refusal down. You know, it all works in a tiered system. VIPs, you get uh, well, you've got a new benefit coming at the end of the month, which I'm going to tell you about, and you get um, guaranteed access for front row when we do online gigs, and we will do more of them. And then board member, well, of course, is a secret. Secret board. It just sounds like a ruse, but trust me, the board member benefit is is a decent one. I just I just feel like it would be breaking a confidence to say it. You know what I mean? What happens in the board stays in the board. And of course, just to remind you that the uh, there's a few work in progress dates with um, tickets left. I think Dorking, Darwin, and and a couple of others. So they're already available on the Live Nation website. And then remember, at the end of January, and and also here's the thing: all patrons will get first refusal. On booking tickets now, the truth is most of them won't, won't sell out immediately. Although some of them are smaller venues, and that happened with the work in progress, they did sell out quickly. But you can pick exactly which tickets you want, where you want to sit. You can be close to close to the action, or you can be fucking squirreled away on a balcony. So um, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of benefits. Uh, oh, oh god, I mean this is this is why I wouldn't do adverts <clears throat> for anything because there's one thing when I'm doing this for myself that I sort of feel like I'm dying inside. But if I was having to do this for some fucking fungal toe cream, I'd probably kill myself. All right, just a quick subject, this one, is the BAFTAs. So as I said before, the Brit Awards, um, under pressure, because I think cause Sam Smith became gender neutral, and then, I don't know, a couple of artists were like, we're gender neutral, and there's no category for us. And it'd be awful if we went up and accepted an award in the category that everyone thinks that we're in. <laughs> You know, because I'm gender neutral, but if I said best male and like probably, you know, 90% of the country thought we were male or more, that would be really hard for us. That'd be really hard. Um, so it's another one of these examples where something changes based on a, the whims of a very tiny, tiny percentage of people. And, um, and you know, I just think award, look, I mean, it's one of those things where you just have to weigh it up against the practicalities. This is like, you know, changing language around pregnancy, uh, you know, to incorporate 
you know, the number of people that are trans. You have to just weigh it up and go, right, what the, what's the numbers game here? Does it make sense to, to undergo root and branch change for something that, that affects such a tiny amount of people? You know, so in some cases you might think it does, but I do think that, you know, male and female awards categories have been around for a while uh, for a reason. But this is the clincher. This is the topper. As mentioned before, is that this year, all the nominees for Best Artist were blokes. I just... <laughs> It's so funny and everyone shits the bed, shits the bed. Now, Owen Jones has been on this show and I make a habit. I don't, you know, if anyone's been good enough to come on my show, I'm not going to give them jib. And I also know, like, Owen's been fucking like, uh, he's had enough shit. Some, you know, people have attacked him in public. But said in the be- with the best will in the world, he did make me laugh. He came out immediately with a tweet saying that we, we need to have 50% nominations for women. <laughs> I just thought, like, I, don't, you, I didn't know then. Are you trolling the likes of me, Owen? Are you trolling me? Because that, if I'd scripted that as a line, I might think that's a bit on the nose. So we're going to have gender neutral, but we will have we will, women. We're, we're going to have a gender thing. For, I mean, I just thought it was uh, hilarious. So, if, you know, if this gets back to Owen, I'd love to have you back on the show and we could, uh, we could clear up what you meant. I'm sure that there was more nuance in this point than I'm, than I'm appreciating. And so what they're essentially saying, right, is that we're going to have a non-binary category and that could be anyone. But uh, as long as, le- if, if left to your own advices, you don't come up with the wrong answer. That's what it was, wasn't it? We're not supposed to not see gender, essentially. And then people are all right, fuck it. These are who I think were the best people last year and they were all identified as male. They go, well, I'm seeing that gender. I'm seeing the fuck out of that gender. It's just, it's just a classic hypocrisy, isn't it? It's like freedom of speech unless you say the wrong thing. Gender neutral, unless it's the wrong gender. It's just brilliant. I love this. I'm past in the culture wars. I'm past caring that I'm annoyed by stuff like this. I'm not. It feeds me. It nourishes me. And, you know, maybe, maybe the people doing the best work this year were, were all blokes, right? Maybe that's the... I mean, you've got to think that the Brit Awards, I'm imagining there's a few fucking Caleb's and a few India's in that panel, right? They're going to know that when this comes out, it's going to cause a shitstorm. So maybe that sort of suggests, well, they really did think these were the best people. And and it underlines, you know, what what might seem to be a progressive development for one group in society might not for another, right? So you go, well, this is great for non-binaries. And you go, well, this is not fucking great for binaries. Well, binary women. It's like, you know, it's like saying trans rights are everybody's rights. You go, well, evidently trans... <laughs> It has, you know, there are some people that feel that trans rights have impinged upon their rights as women in single sex spaces and in sport. And this is the problem, is that it's about the outcomes, aren't they? They, they have these, these utopian progressive dreams, and yet when reality throws them a curveball, they don't like it. It's like blind CVs, right? And there was a genuine problem with racial bias in this country, where if you had uh, particularly an African-sounding or Muslim-sounding name, uh, you were less likely to get past the, the application stage, right? However, some places now, they've gone with blind, blind CVs and they're, they're finding that without any info or without the, the uh, ability to sort of apply even unofficial diversity quotas, the result is that all the smartest kids are getting through, right? Because in the past, if you wanted to go, let's have more working class kids, let's have more non-white kids, you'd have seen Benedict fucking Fitzpatrick III and you'd go, well, he ain't getting through. But now all you're going is, well, fucking... Benedict, even though you don't know his name, like, you know, uh, Candidate B, he writes really well. You don't even know if it's a he. It writes really well. It seems clever. It got really good A-levels. I'm going to give it an interview. And then it turns out it 
is uh, the epitome of privilege, as you see it. And they won't say it. They won't say it, right? But they, this, they want out of the equality of outcome. And this is where I think progressive types or woke types will fall into conflict with wider society is that what most people want equality of opportunity, <clears throat> but they want equality of outcome. They want, they want to really be able to, if in fact, engineer outcomes rather than things be based on, on merit. But they won't say that because they know that it's probably unpopular. It's like free speech, isn't it? No one's ever actively against free speech. It's incredible. I've never met a single person that was against free speech. They just, you know, just think that some people shouldn't be able to say stuff. But, oh, no, 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 no. Look, I believe in the freedom of speech. I just think it's, if you say bad stuff, you should be in prison. Um, and, th- and there's a kind of right-wing, or I, don't know, I, w- I would contest the idea that only right-wing people are, like, are racist, but, you know, you get people that will say things like, oh, me, you know, they'll say something like a broadcaster will say something off-air, you know, they'll say the N-word, and then... In their defence, they'll say, I'm, I'm the least racist person in the world. And I'm not, I'm not doing a northern accent there for a reason. Because <laughs> I'm thinking basically of Big Ron. I'm the least racist but I've got a racist bone in my body. Uh, and you go, well, what is it with racist bones? Is there, is there a racist bone? I'm trying to think what bone it would be. I don't, I don't know. I don't think there is a racist bone. Can you get it removed? <laughs> but they never go, you know what, I am... Look, I'm fairly racist. I'm not, like, as bad as that. And that was a really bad day for me, but... But yeah, sometimes I'm yeah I'm pretty fucking intolerant, man. I got caught, and look, I'm gonna have a think about it. But yeah, fair cop, <laughs> I'm a bit racist. And imagine if people would say that is is on, on freedom of speech. I look, I really don't believe in freedom of speech. I do believe that I'm morally superior, um, and that <clears throat> I've somehow come to the right conclusions about all matters of social justice, and that anyone you know that disagrees with me should be thrown in a gulag, and. You know, and and then so we get this Brits. I don't know. I mean, this is the problem with modern institutions: is how 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 likely are they to go? Oh, oh, sorry. Um, we realise we messed up. We're gonna hashtag do better. How likely is that? Stick stick with it, the Brits. Okay, quick letter here. This is one of those solo episodes. I promised I'd bring it in short. <laughs> I'm normally able to. Uh, hi, Jeff. You asked for opinions. I did last week of when did everything start turning to shit? Because, uh, yeah, that idea of there's just a moment in time where it all, you know, some people think it's when when New Labour got in or when the Tories got in or when we voted Brexit or, you know, when we started saying seasons instead of series. Uh, I've pretty much realised for a while now that life, society, whatever, started going a bit mental when lads mags were bullied out of the market in the late noughties. It's an interesting point you make. When Nuts and Zoo were forced to use modesty covers on the magazine displays, that was the fin end, fin end of the wedge. Fun times were over. That's from Ricky. I mean, one thing, thing I do think that is interesting about that is because porn was, you know, it was mags, wasn't it, and the odd film that just got circulated unofficially. And then, you know, page three... And then page three started to go, and then we had lads mags. And at the time, there was a real moral panic over that. I do wonder now, when you look at the porn that young men routinely have access to, unfettered, really fucking brutal stuff, stuff of te- stepmums in, people banging each other in taxis and <laughs> fucking frat parties and bukkakis. I'm just going to keep saying porn buzzwords. I do wonder if sometimes the feminists that push for that thought, you know what, maybe... Maybe Lucy Pinder and Michelle March bouncing around on a space opera in skimpy tops wasn't the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but I agree. Yeah, when the lads mags went, that was that was when we all started taking ourselves a bit too seriously.
Okay, as promised, there have been lots of very generous five-star reviews uh, on iTunes, so I'm going to read a few of them out now. This one is from, well, a guy with asterisks in his name. Uh, <laughs> I've spent the last few weeks catching up with the 180-plus episodes of... That's why episode two got a bump. Uh, having battled the radical lefties in my family to try and get an alternative view to the misery prism. What an, in, what an interesting phrase that is, by which they see the world. Uh, popular to public opinion, I prefer the solo episodes. This always sounds like I've just written this bit in, uh, in which Jeff can let the inner, loose the inner workings of his head. Thank you very much for that. Um, Asterisk name. Uh, no fuck you, just a thank you. This is from Ro- Rob Smedley. This fucking's got to be a blummy, isn't it? It's like listening in on the best conversation in the room, although it does need more Tom Bradby impressions. Sorry, did someone say Tom Bradby? Hey, news time, everybody. Yeah, news. Breaking news. Spoiler alert. That, that's the thing he's going to say next, isn't he? It would just go dun 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 dun. It would go, spoiler alert. This is the news. Um, Oh, did I just go past one? Uh, I really liked, like, this is from Neanderthal Head. I think I've read this one before. Okay, there wasn't as many new ones as I thought, was there? Um, oh, this is from Anthony. Uh, this says, funniest and wittiest show out there. Can you make the podcast longer? Because it's taken me longer to get to work because of the train strikes. Well, absolutely. Um, I think I've read out that one before. Uh, Gets Funnier Every Week by Neanderthal Head. I really like Jeff's podcast. He sounds like a really nice... Blo- I mean, I can't say his name's Neanderthal Head and then read it like that. I really like Jeff's podcast. Sounds like a really nice bloke who's prepared to listen to the views of everyone, albeit with a humorous take. It's the podcast I listen to every week and his impressions of Keir Starmer and Tom Bradbury are worth listening to the podcast alone. <laughs> um... <laughs> I had to just do a sound effect because I didn't think even the voice I chose was uh, Neanderthal enough. But thank you uh, for everybody listening to this. Thank you to the Patreons. And I hope you enjoy the special that is streaming now on Patreon only. And uh, as a, just have have a fucking cracking week. It's going to be really cold, but they're all coming with this Blue Monday shittest week of the year thing. Just really piss everybody off by being in an absolutely top optimistic mood, mood and share, share the good news about the economy.